0: welcome to classical stuff you should know by now you are sitting in your most comfiest chair with a cup of eggnog or coffee wrapping paper strewn about your living room what's that you see is there one more present left under the tree why yes there is it is a christmas edition of classical stuff you should know so bad I don't know I've Get a, I ready like to <laughs> unwrap a little bundle uh, of delight. It feels so festive because it feels, it festive. we're coming at you with classical stuff you should know Christmas edition.
1: Is there anyone who's going to be listening to this on Christmas Day?
0: All of our listeners are going to Every single every single one, every single one who's ever listened to it, it's going to be like, "Man, Christmas Day, what do I want to do? Light a fire and, and then listen, listen to, to a clap. podcast about classical things." Light a
2: fire, light a pipe. Put on some warm socks that's
0: right get a get next to the is yeah that what you all do get for a little Christmas? glass of scotch Oh heck yes really yes really? that's all I do most days actually
2: <laughs> Did you guys so what were you guys' Christmas traditions? What did you do Christmas morning?
1: Did you have any?
0: No Megby is anti-tradition
1: I'm not anti-tradition no didn't the the end of that episode was that I am actually a chronological snob oh, so that's right. uh, all the traditions are the best. we just don't really do them. My wife is really into traditions but we haven't really started any okay. We would but get, like, even as a kid, you had never had. No, we did like the adventry tradi- leading up to Christmas, oh, that's but a tradition. then yeah, but uh, for Christmas Day traditions, there's not really much other mm-hmm. than I think we had to s- we had to s- uh, we couldn't go downstairs before like seven o'clock or seven thirty or something, so that doesn't count as a tradition. But we anyway. had the same. That's the tradition I'm thinking of. We were allowed oh. to get up and open
2: our stockings right after like six or seven, but not. The, but we c- we were not allowed to talk to our parents until yep. nine a.m. Yeah, yep. like they were untouchable. Yeah, and then when they came out, we would hand out presents and. The we, rule, we did them one by one.
0: The rule was we couldn't open presents until dad sat in his little chair, in his place on the couch. And he would be very, he would drag his feet and make a cup of <laughs> coffee Good and look him. outside and Was there a specific time that he was ready? Let the dog out. No, no. It just was just at his own leisure. Yep. Um, and oh, then that we is would great. Do, we would do one at a time too. And I'm Mary, definitely my doing My that sister one and bed. I, we just had to sort of sit and wait patiently. <laughs> and we all knew that if we made any sort of like complaint, it was just going to prolong the puttering. <laughs> so that was Christmas morning. It was great. It was in cold, cold Canada. And we are no longer, now we are in sunny, sunny Austin, Texas. Still, so kind of cold. Yeah, it was foggy this morning. Yeah. I think you could only describe it as chilly. Yeah. If that. Yeah. So, Mr. Hanenberg, what are we going to learn this Christmas morn?
2: So, today, in honor of Christmas, mm. and in honor of all of our faithful listeners who are taking their Christmas day out to listen to us, I'm talking about Santa Claus. That's awesome. The Yay. Santa. So, I, I was always curious where that character came from. And I mean, there's vaguely in my mind, St. Nick, right? Mm -hmm. Sort of hovering back there. But I don't know who the guy was or what he did or if he actually existed at all or if it was just something. So I did some investigation and a little bit of research. And today I'm going to tell you as best I can about St. Nick. Rock and roll. As a side note, I might also mention that one of the things that I always found a little bit funny about Christmas was the like fix the Xmas thing. Uh You know, Xmas, how how, instead of saying Christmas, like. You're talking about that? And so people are like, put Christ back, back in Christmas. Christmas. Well, but the that's... funny thing is the X is stands for, what, the chi, christ. right? Yeah. I mean, it's literally a symbol for Christ. It's the first letter of Christ's yep. name. And we all the time in theology, we use JX to stand mm-hmm. for Jesus Christ. So the X in Xmas is actually
1: christ So if that always bothered you, let it bother you no more. Even if it's not like intended to be used that way? Like, just to say that the X used to be a symbol, does that mean that people... Like, yeah, when people u- type Xmas, they're not meaning... Christmas, right? I don't know. I okay. think the, the, for the longest time they are. Maybe now
2: that meaning has been lost and people are just shortening it. I, I doubt who who does that maliciously. I don't think. I'm
1: not saying maliciously. Xmas. No.
0: Yeah. Try as you might, you cannot. Uh, the Christmas is ours. <laughs> Good. Yeah, unless they change it to like human miss.
2: Yeah,
1: that'd be a little bit. <laughs> different. Then I think. I, I think we're. You well, know. aren't we all dishonoring it by not literally going to a mass on Christmas? Is that? I have no idea if that's
2: actually Maybe you don't go to a (laughs) (laughs) mass (laughs) army. That's awesome. Okay. Anyway, let's talk about Saint Nick. So, Saint Nicholas of Myra was an actual guy, and he lived traditionally from the 15th of March in 270 to the 6th of December in 343. Now, that number, the 6th of December, is actually his day, the saint's day.
0: Sinterklaus. There in Holland, they celebrate <laughs> Sinterklaas, which is a You're day. just pre... I, hey,
2: Sorry. I did, did the act, research, did man. Did what did you do? I spent... i I researched I just shaking, a, shaking a book at him. Did, book.
1: did you actually have that written down in your notes? Yes, I'm going to talk about Sinterklaas later. Sorry. 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 Preempting.
2: This. <laughs> Next time you come up with something, I'm going to spoiler it. Are you
1: talking about Spain? It's Vort Pete. Oh, my gosh. Are you going to talk yes. about um, the Council of Nicaea and him punching? Oh,
2: I, I have had. I quit.
1: And this is my last podcast. You guys can do it yourselves hey, without so me. On, on a less see. serious note, are you going to talk about this survey that's been passing around the interwebs? Have you seen this about how Santa needs to be modernized for today? Have you heard about this? What would make him modern? So like that, roller skates? We, uh, it wasn't roller skates. It was a hoverboard. 17% of people who responded said he should use a hoverboard. 21% said he should get uh, sh- uh, get on a diet. 23% said he should ship using Amazon Prime. But I think the 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 thing that people talked about was that 29% of people said that Santa Claus should now be female or gender neutral. Uh-oh. Anyway, that does not uh, tie very well with this person having been an actual person.
2: Yeah, he, he was a guy. Yeah,
1: n- not, and not a lady. A, a definite guy. Yeah. yeah. Anyway.
2: Okay, so he... He's also known as Nicholas of Barry, and you'll you'll find out why a little bit later. He was the bishop of the ancient Greek city of Myra in Asia Minor, which is now modern day Demra, Turkey. So he was a bishop in Turkey. And the years
0: ago. again were two seventy
2: to three forty three. So, so
0: after the birth of Christ, obviously he was a saint, and so but living in some rough years for the church in terms of yeah, I'm going to talk about that. With the state
2: it was yep. it was a real rocky time, and so he actually lived amidst a lot of controversy. So. Most of the writings by him or about him have been lost until far later, partially because what they used to write back then was papyrus at this point, and it did not last real good. Yeah, (laughs) it is the worst. And and it has been immortalized in a bad font as it was a bad kind of paper. Yeah. So a lot of those are just gone. And if you wanted to keep something, you had to recopy it over time and they just didn't. Right. Um, so... This was the time of Diocletian, the emperor. You may have heard the name of Diocletian. If you haven't, I'm gonna tell you about it. So he defeated his rival, Carinus, and then went around kind of defeating a whole bunch of other people, consolidating the Roman power. So he defeated the Sarmatians and the Carpi, the Alemanni, some usurpers from Egypt, um, some folks from Persia. He actually sacked the Persian capital in 299. He reorganized all the provinces, uh, established basically the largest bureaucracy ever. He did some reforms in taxes and made them more equitable, so fair for everyone, but generally raised them. So, made more money, but it stunk for everybody, not just just a few. Equal stink. (laughs) Equal stink. It's it's a bummer for for all. And then he realized that Rome was too large for really one guy to rule, so he split it it into two and established a co-emperor, right? A West and an East empire, each ruled by its own dude. The other guy that got elected was Maximian, or appointed. So they each then appointed two sub-emperors to help with administration, because they realized that even two emperors wasn't enough. They needed some sub-dudes to kind of help do the day-to-day job while they were hobnobbing and warmongering and that sort of thing. So then that became the Tetrarchy, or leadership of four. And this worked pretty well. All four of the dudes respected each other, and they worked really hard, and That sort of established succession, or at least ideally it established succession. So when the emperor leaves, his sub-emperor becomes emperor, right?
0: I see no future problems with this.
2: (laughs) Yeah, easy peasy. I'm surprised it worked at all. Everyone (laughs) will think this is great, right? Uh, And Diocletian, the reason you might know his name is because he was a pretty famous persecutor of Christians. He was a staunch pagan and did not think the Christians were awesome. So he went after him and... So, this was one of the largest Nero-style persecutions of Christians ever. And in fact, during this period, St. Nicholas may have been arrested and beaten for being a Christian. Santa. I know. I know. And we find out later that the, the bones of Santa have a broken nose. Oh, no. And it happened before he was dead. So, he... Busted his nose doing something, and he doesn't sound like the kind of guy that boxes. In fact, he kind of does. You'll yeah, find he, that <laughs> out why later. Yeah. He might box, yeah. but he's—it's not common or you no know, natural to him. And mm-hmm. it was—it was maybe from being beaten, but it doesn't seem like any of his other bones were really hmm. wrecked. So, if they beat him, it was a gentle beating, <laughs> right? Just maybe Only a little bit nose. about the face. Yeah. Okay, and so the, that whole the Tetrarchy works pretty well, and then. He eventually abdicated, being the very first Roman emperor to voluntarily abdicate power while he was alive. And then Diocletian retired, spent the rest of his days in his palace attending his little veggie gardens. For real? For reals. Good for him. That usually doesn't happen, yeah. right? Especially with Roman emperors. That's they don't tend plan. to die peacefully. That's definitely my plan. To garden yeah, in your yeah. retirement? Oh, yeah. But uh, but you don't you know, have Abdicate a whole lot of... Power. <laughs> I was going to say, really, what are you abdicating? Uh, Overseeing head, the 10th tenth grade, tenth grade head, of the yeah. yeah, head of the thesis yeah, program. Head. Oh, that's yeah. true.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's there are, like, you know, cloak and dagger. And he's assuming I won't usurp <laughs> yeah, exactly. the, in the, the program meantime, before. Yeah.
2: Right. Up after that was Constantine. But the succession to Constantine, like moving down from Diocletian to Constantine, was a little more complicated than it should have been. So Galerius was the Caesar for Diocletian, or the under guy, the sub-emperor, and Constantius for Maximian. So two head emperors, Diocletian and Maximian, and their uh, sub-emperors, Galerius and Constantius. So Constantius dies in 306, and his troops proclaim his son, Constantine as the next Augustus Hmm. Galerius promoted Severus so he retires promotes Severus and then so like when he Galerius becomes emperor has Severus as his under-emperor Maxentius gets the son of like also kind of lays claim to that and he gets support from the Praetorian Guard so altogether after this huge mess there are four rulers Galerius Constantine Severus and Maxentius um, so for Maximian, he had Constantine and Maxentius coming up. And then for Glarus, it was Severus. So after all that kind of went down, eventually another one kind of made bid for it. It was just this huge mess. And eventually Constantine just sort of consolidated all the power. He defeated all of his rivals and became emperor in, oh, let's see what they become emperor. 307? No, after that. In any case, he did. And the important thing about Constantine becoming emperor is what? Establishing he, Christianity he as converted the... converted oh, his wife. Yeah, he converted and Christianity became legal. And so all of this yeah. happened yep. during Santa Claus's lifetime. Hey, that's cool. Right? So he lived through one of the worst persecutions ever and then saw the legalization of Christianity under the Roman Emperor
0: Constantine. How crazy would that have been? Like, mean, how like sort of cognitive dissonance would that have been to go from...
1: Was it, I, I don't know much on the historics, was it literally from persecution and then like this day everything changes there's the um or was there's the edict of changing? something
0: or other that says christians are no longer to be persecuted is it the edict of mm, i don't know It's not the edict of milan No, not a clue it's not different anyway maybe it is uh but then there's an edict saying that like christians are no longer to be persecuted and then constantine makes it the official state religion so it's not just that like it's tolerated it's that it's the game
2: oh so constantine uh united the emperor under, under his control in 324 and legalized uh he stopped the persecution of Christians in, I think, three thirteen. Mm-hmm. That was before he kind of consolidated all his power, and then he ruled until three thirty seven, and then his sons. Wasn't there a big old battle he
0: fought, and he? Someone said, "Hey, you should put the Cairo on your shield." And he's like, "All right," and he did, and they won. Yeah,
2: oh. he had a dream that that was the symbol under which he would win his empire, and go. so he put it all over all his shields and sort of marched to battle with the symbol of Christ and yeah. Christianity. That may
0: be a like looking back. Uh, I don't know if that is. What actually happened? What actually happened? That may have been just sort of like a hagiography kind of thing, but...
2: Yeah, it, with Santa in particular, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of maybe historicity about it because we don't have any of his writings and a lot of the writings we have about him are sort of recent. It's It's hard to tell exactly what's historical and exactly what's not. And I'll go a little more into that as we go along. Cool. So back to Santa, let's talk about early mentions of who this guy is. So like I said... Most stuff was written on parchment or papyrus, and it doesn't really last real good. Do you guys know if our paper lasts any better? Not it absolutely. becomes yellowed and brittle, right? And then just there sort
0: are, of... There's archival, if you keep it, right? If you keep it in certain conditions with and you write it with the right kind of ink, it will. But right. uh, our student papers will not last. Yeah,
1: well, We have uh, house books that are on archival paper we and we use archival ink. So mm-hmm. our house books will last forever. Forever, yeah, so nice.
0: When space archaeologists are digging up Uh, austin texas they'll come across our house books
2: hey yeah so the earliest mentions of saint nick indicate that by 500 the year 500 he already kind of had a following so fewer that's fewer than 200 years after his death and the emperor theodosius ii ordered them to build the church of saint nicholas in myrna cool Or in myra in honor of saint nick so what made him a saint uh we'll get there (laughs) sorry Man, you just you're just put you just you just want to be out of here. Like, is no, that you want to go home? No, he, he knows it's Christmas, the Christmas man. He knows the story. I bet. <laughs> so, a guy named Procopius, which is a sweet name, also mentions that the Emperor Justinian removed church, or renovated churches in Constantinople dedicated to him, which may have been built as early as 490. Right. So that's that's pretty close to his death. That's what fewer than 200 years. That's that means that pretty close after his death, he had already been venerated as a saint, which sometimes doesn't happen for a while. straight sure. Um also let's see. So he also his name also shows up on the list of the Council of Nicaea attendee- attendees. So from your guys' knowledge of church history, what was the Council of Nicaea? What was it what was it all about? What was there, the big controversy? Well,
1: Graham, there was a heresy going about There was a heresy. What was that heresy?
0: It was Arians. So it was Not
1: the Aryan nation, not like the, the Aryan the, nation, no, white not, Aryan not, Aryan not nations, Nazis.
0: Yeah. Um Although that would be great if Santa Claus punched a Nazi. Um, but <laughs> it was uh, – so the Aryan heresy all had to do with the divinity of Jesus. Was G- was Christ w- of one nature with God? Was he God or was he a created being? And the Aryans had it that Jesus was a created being. He was not fully God. Only God was fully God and Jesus was some kind of like derivative or some created being. He was a created – he was a sub – Subclass. That's right. Right. He wasn't as good as God. He was a different substance, mm-hmm. not the same substance. And Arian, the Arian heresy just took off like wildfire throughout the 200s and 300s, and everybody uh, um, flipping loved Arianism for some reason. And um, there's this great story where there was this one bishop in Alexandria named Athanasius. And the legend has it that Athanasius was like the last true Orthodox Christian in the world. That's not true, but he was sort of one of the last big bishops that was holding on to Orthodoxy when Arianism was really popular. Well, this wasn't, I mean, was it Orthodoxy? Was it actual Orthodoxy? Because well, it was established as, or as Orthodoxy at the council. Um, I mean, yeah, we can, I mean, in retrospect, we can call it as established Orthodoxy. It was, it was, if you wanted to give it a name, it was that Jesus was divine, Um the reason why uh, Arianism was—one of the reasons why it was really pop, was really popular was, I think—I may i getting it confused. They didn't have to really worry about the Old Testament. No, that's not true. That was another heresy. I don't know why it was so popular. But anyway, so Athanasius um, was sort of disgruntled that everybody was a heretic, and so he went to live in the desert by himself and wrote an awesome— um, um, on the
1: Incarnation, Yeah, right?
0: he wrote an awesome book called all, On the Incarnation, and he has a cre- his own creed that he wrote, um, the Athanasian Creed, and that thing is just awesome. You should read it. Um, it's pretty amazing. But anyway, uh, so Athanasius, there, there was a persecution going on, and Athanasius was like, finally, uh, maybe I can get martyred for the faith and not have to worry about all these heretics and nobody believing in Jesus anymore, and I'm sick of living. and So he went to Alexandria to get martyred, and they didn't do it. They didn't kill him, and he couldn't, like, offer himself up because that's not true martyrdom. Um, anyway, so he spent his, his life fighting the Arians, uh, but you should go definitely read the Athanasian Creed because it's great. But anyway, Council of Nicaea, they got all the bishops together to say, all right, we need to come up with a creed. We need to come up with a theological principle. What does the church believe about Jesus? Was he fully God or not? And they agreed that he was um, fully God, and then we have the, the we have the Nicene Creed. And if you know the Nicene Creed or, or to say it every Sunday, uh, you'll notice that there's not a whole lot in it about the nature of God. There are creeds where they talk all about God. There's not in, there's not so much in it about the nature of the Holy Spirit. It talks a little bit about it, but there's a whole lot of in, in it about the nature of Christ. It gives his whole story. It talks about how he was born, who he was killed under Pontius Pilate, crucified, dead, buried. Um and of one being with the Father is the line. Um, um uh, I, I, yeah. So um, the homoousios I think is the word in Greek of one substance with the Father. Um, so there's homoousios and then there's homoiouousios if I remember the story correctly, which isn't
2: confusing at all. <laughs> which isn't confusing yeah. at all.
0: But homoousios is of one being with the Father, and I think homoiouousios is letters. like substance. being with the yeah. Father, like a similar being. And that one letter, that iota, is um, where we get the phrase, don't change it one iota. Because mm. if you change it one iota, you go from one being with the Father to like being with to the Father. To a created being. Yeah. And so then you have this, that sort of, the that iota is the, um, is the line on which the heresy stands. Um, but all the Christians were really talking about Arianism and this heresy and I, I remember even reading there was one historic, you know, one sort of contemporary histo- history writer that was saying you couldn't go get your haircut without the barber talking about the nature of Jesus. So this was like the big. Oh, that, thing. Isn't that still that, the way? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> this was the big thing that everybody was talking about: was Jesus God or wasn't he? And I think like the Romans had an easier. I don't think the Romans persecuted the Arians as much because the Arians could get out of saying that Jesus. Is God. the one God yeah. above all the other gods? Because they could just sort of say, "He, oh, he's, he's like God, but he's not fully God. And that, for the Roman, I think, taste was a lot more palatable to their pantheism. It was easier to enshrine Jesus among the pantheist gods than what became the orthodox position or what is the orthodox position because that was like, you know, hard no on all the other gods. Right. Uh, that was pretty exclusionary. So that was why the persecution came on the – on the Christians and not so much on the Arians. Right. So anyway, Council of Nicaea, we got to work, th- we got to figure this thing out. They hammered it out back and forth, talked about the books, read the stories, looked into it and said, you know, Jesus needs to be God because if he's not God, the whole um, sanctification and the whole uh, salvation on the cross doesn't make sense.
2: He's not, because it's not, not God killing sacrifice. himself. That's right. it's It's God killing another perfect created yeah. creature.
0: So if he's not a perfect sacrifice, then it can't be... Um, it can't be for all,
2: because I think didn't didn't the hangout come from that if he was only a similar substance to God if God was a perfect substance then a similar substance had to be different and therefore lesser in some way was that uh, yes. kind of the assumption mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah that if something was not God and it was different than God it was obviously going to be lesser than God and therefore because you not, can't have
2: two different perfections you there can't have two different perfections.
0: perfections and if you had something that was less than perfect the sacrifice wouldn't have been perfect all for all
2: so that. Maybe we should come back to that sure. later because I have some thoughts about the whole attributing substance to God. The I assumption, always
0: suspected you were an Aryan.
2: Not that <laughs> I'm an Aryan. I think that the notion... <laughs> That's awesome. Sorry. I always thought you were a heretic. <laughs> I think I think that the notion that God has to be of a certain substance and that any change within him would indicate a change to lesser perfection is a Greek idea, right? That there has to be purity of substance. And... I don't know that that would have been a Semitic idea. Does that make it wrong?
1: That's what... It's complicated to say, yeah, just because an idea comes from somewhere, does that mean it's less... No, no. I'm not saying it's wrong,
2: but I'm saying perfect people that you've known, do they change? But they're...
0: I don't... We don't... But they're not perfect in the same way that God is perfect. Right. God is like the standard through which, like, we're talking. Like, he is the... Yeah, absolutely. But I'm not... I'm not so... There, this God changes mind, right? Like you can look at the Old Testament and say where God's like, oh, actually, I'm not going to destroy this city. Thanks. So I I
2: think perfection in that case would require a change of mind or a change of action or any, any sort of, that one even gets more complicated. Mm -hmm. But I think the notion that he is a substance and that any change
0: indicates a lessening of that substance is a Greek idea. Sure. But we're talking about like ontology. We're talking about some, about the way that the thing exists as opposed to the way that it interacts in the world. Yeah. Yes. Ontology, not agency. And so the ontology doesn't change, but the agency can be, you know, can mutable.
2: Yeah. So I would say the qualities of God don't change, but the way he works himself out in history probably...
1: This Dude. feels
0: like we're getting we're now getting into the like the the stereotypical hannenberg Donaldson back and forth that like will go on for forty five minutes. It
1: only happened once with the
0: Dostoyevsky episode. That's right, I remember that.
1: Oh, but it was so good. That's <laughs> the, I, still one of my favorite episodes.
0: I still I just wanted I just want Santa to start throwing hands.
2: Yeah, I, we'll get there. Be patient. <laughs> Be patient, my son. And so the other resources we have of Santa, one of them is from a biography of another guy, Saint Nicholas of Scion, a different Saint Nick. And it's written 250 years after his death. And it mentions uh, that he visited the tomb of St. Nicholas. So that indicates he was probably a real guy, mm-hmm. right? So this other guy had a biography. It mentions him visiting the tomb of St. Nick. So since he can do that, St. Nick was probably a fella. Yeah. Um, there's another treatise written around 583 where a guy cites some miracles that Nicholas did as evidence that souls may work independent from the body. And that was written around 583. So he's already referencing miracles from St. Nick. That's, you know, two to 300 years after St. Nick dies. And so that kind of indicates he was probably a guy or at least the rumors were around that he was a guy. Um, The best account we have, the earliest complete account is called The Life of St. Nicholas. And it's written by Michael the Archimandrite between 814 and 842. That's almost 500 years after the death of St. Nick. Yeah. So that's the best source we have about what happened in St. Nick's life. So all of the stories about St. Nick are kind of under historical scrutiny right now. A lot of historians kind of fight for some. And maybe some of the stories were stolen from pagan sources about the miracles that he did. Maybe not. There might be some confusion. You know, when things pass down for that long before being written down or when sources are lost, it's hard to tell actually what's historical or not. Uh, You might also be interested to know that he is the patron saint of sailors merchants archers repentant thieves children brewers pawnbrokers and students you say
0: brewers Uh, archers and brewers
2: i'll get to the brewers i don't know about the archers thing but i know why he's the patron saint of brewers and children i can tell you that i don't know why he's the one of pawnbrokers and students well
0: pawnbrokers because of the money stuff with the girls yeah but But that
2: involve pawning that's true
0: but maybe archers because he's also like the things he throws find their mark. Okay. I don't, I don't know. Oh, the hogwash. <laughs> hey, man. You're trying. Okay. So you feel like there's many saints. You don't have to be the saint of all those things. Like, I know. Spread like, it
2: around. Yeah, like pick a, pick a thing, <laughs> Pick man. a major. Yeah, yeah pick like, a major. For real. focus. Pick yeah. a lane, Santa. <laughs> <laughs>
0: all
2: right. So let's talk about his life as best we can put it together. So he was born in the city of Patera or Patera. Which is a port on the mediterranean and he was born to a family of wealthy greek christians so it's not like he santa rich santa rich and santa grew up christian presumably and unlike some other famous dudes like saint saint augustine or augustinus if you want to be fancy about it uh, so he he grew up and had to like go against his dad the merchant and so did saint francis and all, all like a lot of those guys had to sort of spurn their family to follow christ He didn't. He was born to Christians. Um, In some accounts, it was his uncle that was already a bishop in Myra, and that uncle recognized his nephew's calling and then ordained him as a priest. After his parents died, he took all of their wealth and he gave it to the poor. And so here's where we start to hear just sort of legends about sort of what he did. Uh, One of his early things, and this is one of the more famous ones, is that he heard of a devout Christian who had lost everything due to like the evil machinations of the devil, and that guy had three daughters that he couldn't marry off because now he had no dowry. Now, what that means, if you've got three daughters with no dowries, what jobs are left open to them if they can't get married? Yeah. Ston- stenographer, <laughs> <laughs> A copyist. Um,
1: <laughs> the oldest profession? Is that what you're going for right now? Like the, yeah. It's,
2: they, they would probably end up as prostitutes. And do you guys know where that word comes from, by the way? Not a clue. So the word prostitutes? Oh. Not machinations. <laughs> prostitutes comes from the pro and statue, which means be in front of statues. So yep. When they used to have games in Rome, the prostitutes would sort of like hang out outside as you left in mm-hmm. front of the statues. And so it was the girls in front of the statues, <laughs> pro statue or prostitute. A hmm. um, little side note I have no there idea. that yeah. I knew.
0: Hopefully, you didn't Google that on your. Uh, school <laughs> no, <or whatever>. I, <laughs>
2: <laughs> I heard that when I was touring in, in Rome, they ah. told me. Uh, So he didn't want to publicly help these people. He always gave in secret. So one night he like ran up to their window, chucked a purse filled with gold through the window and then ran off. And then the next night he came and did it again. Through the chimney? Uh, No, through the window. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I mean, hey, maybe eventually. Yeah. And, and then on the third night, the dad put two and two together. He's like, three daughters, two bags of gold, two nights. Eh, it's probably going to come again. Mm-hmm. And so he sort of waited for St. Nick to mm-hmm. come by and t- chuck the third bag of gold in. And then he caught him. And he was like, thank you, and fell on his knees and thanked him emphatically. And St. Nick said, hey, you don't tell anybody about this. And then he left. And that was the deal.
0: I and mean, were the girls saved from a life of... Yeah, oh, yeah
2: they had a dowry and they were awesome. able to get married off. Which Thanks, Santa. Fantastic. Good story. Uh, in another miracle, he quieted the waves of a storm as he sailed to visit the Holy Land. So he kind of pulled a Jesus, where all he's right, like, cool. "Be still," and that's what made him the patron saint of sa- sailors. Mm-hmm. Was quieting the storm. So after visiting the Holy Land, he returns to Myra. Um, Nick's uncle had died recently, and they said that the first priest who comes into church today, he'll be the next bishop. That
0: was what uh, all the <laughs> priests had decided. How so they did it back then. Yeah, yeah it's a very efficient <laughs> way. Well,
2: I mean, if you think about it, who's the most pious priest? Gets the, one, the, yeah. the one who gets there the and earliest. The one who gets there the earliest.
0: And also, you probably don't want to be a bishop back in persecution days. Nope. So like first guy who shows up, hey, you're in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Trying to
2: hand it off. Yeah. Yeah. That might've been rough. And I mean, if you were the the priest waiting there to see who entered the church first, mm-hmm. wouldn't you have like this conflict? Like I'm, I'm the actual one who's here first. Yeah. So I am here, here this morning. I slept here. Um. Anyway, he walked in, he became the next bishop, you know, Bob's just, your uncle. Just That's like, him. just like that. Yeah. Really?
0: That's crazy. That's it. Steam achievement.
2: So he may have been, like I said, he may have been imprisoned and tortured during the Great Persecution. Um, This is a maybe, he may have also been released by the orders of Constantine. So Constantine saved Santa. This story is not in the earliest sources, so Mm -hmm. it might not be historical. He may not have been imprisoned. Like I said, they only saw a busted nose. He may have just, you know, bonked it on a kitchen cabinet or something. We don't really know for sure that he was imprisoned, tortured, and then released. Um, in another fun miracle, three innocent men were condemned to death by a guy named Eustanthius. Uh, Santa showed up, pushed the executioner's sword to the ground, released them from chains, and yelled and chastised the juror who'd been bribed. He's like, you took bribes, wow. you worm, and then released these three guys. This guy guys. sounds awesome. Yeah, he kind of was. Yeah. Uh, this is another story that may have been stolen from another pagan source called The Life of Apollonius mm-hmm. of Tyana. And there are a few sources that seem to contribute in that same way to the life of Santa Claus. But we're not sure. It might have just been that two similar things happened in history, which, you know, sometimes happens. Uh, in another story where things kind of got the, these two stories eventually became confused into one big super tale. But in another story, he appeared in a dream to Constantine and a consul, Ablabius, which is
0: <laughs> the <laughs> worst name not I've ever heard. One.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Who who had accepted a bribe to condemn three innocent generals to death, so it let Constantine know the truth and frightened Oblabius with hell to letting these three generals go. And eventually, those two stories sort of became conflated into Mm. one single one. And then he was at, presumably, the Council of Nicaea. So he's on the longer lists, like I said, but he's not on the short list. So Mm. depending on what chronicler you're talking about, he may or may not have been at the Council of nicaea gotcha yeah it was funny i was reading my source and it was like so there are two options considering all our sources either he was there or he he wasn't he was not there and i was like ah great job everybody Everybody we're really really digging into that one uh so a later legend claims that during the council he sort of lost his temper and slapped an arian in the face no 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 no
0: slapped arius no no no.
2: that bec- that came later Aww. so originally he slapped an arian <laughs> and was like you hold your tongue smack and then later this became he punched arius in the mouth yeah <laughs> like went from slapping a random arian to punching arius himself. himself and that that may have happened partially because that doesn't do credit to the saint it's not a really flattering yeah, thing it
0: But like, think about it, you know, Arius is saying like, yeah, we should enshrine our heresy into orthodoxy. Meanwhile, you're the bishop and all of your parishioners have been tortured for their faith and killed in your lifetime. And then you've got this young upstart being like, uh, Jesus was just a dude. Not not that Arius
1: needs defending because he lost out in that whole thing. As in all good heresies, the heresy of Arianism came from scripture passages like it was reading the bible but reading it unclearly so to, see, to so to see that jesus is the firstborn among all like is is firstborn like that is a complicated idea to understand like i don't know i just i just want to give credit to he wasn't just like arius yeah because like he was not trying just to say yeah all you people suck he was true he, he was actually like was, reading his bible mm-hmm. he got it wrong and should have been corrected and finally was anyway just to say and then at, he got th- punched by santa yeah and deserved it I, at some point i'm uh uh, I want to do an episode on heresies and that's kind of a the theme with all heresies is that the really good ones come from the Bible and it's, <laughs> you like that? <laughs> well, I need oh, to write now. that in my quotes. Uh, hold on. Let's let's take, with me. take that out of context. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This will go really well. But the to best say that ones come. Yeah. My, but like, this is the danger of proof. God's te- holy word. Te- <gasps> yeah. But no, but the danger is proof texting and yes. taking single passages out of context. Mm-hmm. And then you end up with a heresy really quickly. So just to say that, or I find that a lot of heresies are sort of now, Accidental when youth pastors are trying to describe things. <laughs> no, that's, that's totally fair. Uh, so, in my leadership class, my, no, I, I, my, no, I'm serious. One hundred percent. My favorite. Looking thing is, back, I have been explained heresies by my youth pastors. Yeah. Well, or. In my leadership class, I'll ask the kids, like, hey, could you all describe the Trinity to me? And, like, every time it's a heresy. Or, like, <laughs> hey, could you all talk about, like, the relationship of, like, God and, like, Satan? How does that work? Every time it's a heresy. Yeah. So, like, yeah, 100%. So, the the two ways I've heard the Trinity oh,
2: described are both heresies. The first is... Water. Oh. The water. Yeah. So, sometimes it's ice, sometimes it's gas, sometimes it's, you know, liquid. And I'm like, no, that's not the way it works, unless we're talking about
1: the sublimation point, where it's all three, all three at the, same, at the same, time. same time. Right, Sure. The other one is, uh, uh, four, uh, f- is it a three-leaf clover, where, like... Well, yeah, oh, I haven't heard this one. They're like different like leaves on the clover, but like they're all the same clover, man. That's what God's like. <laughs> if, I mean, I could maybe see that
2: with like aspen trees. How does that work? Do you guys know that asp- aspen, an aspen grove is a single organism?
0: Yeah. Wait, really? All the trees yeah, are I just, just one, big, no. one super tree.
2: All the, uh, if you dig down, all the roots connect and it's one giant, it's like a fungus. It's like uh-huh. one giant tree that has little sprouts all over the place. Mm-hmm. So if you walk into an aspen grove, know to yourself that you are communing with a single <laughs> large organism.
1: Yeah kind of cool anyway i guess that feels better as a anyway that they're all one organism but they um anyway but even then we're sort of bordering on modalism which is the other way i've heard
2: it like he's the same person but sometimes he acts in one way and sometimes he acts in another way that's basically just modalism saying that it's one guy but with three different roles right which isn't the truth right or it's not it's not orthodoxy
1: uh in a few episodes I'll be talking about personality and one of the main takeaways, I guess I'm preempting myself by two weeks, uh, is that all models are bad, but some models are useful. And so in the same way, whenever we try and simplify the... <laughs> I, right. I was thinking models as in like fashion
2: models. Oh, <laughs> oh that too. Good. They're all bad. They're all, all, They're bad. all bad, but all bad. some are useful. That's not yeah. true if you're a model and you're listening to this. i you modeling sure population yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's listening to this. Yeah. But, I hope there's...
1: one. If you oh. are a model and you're listening to this, please email us. Yeah. just <laughs> let us know that yeah. it's true and that Exist Uh, just to say that all model yeah. Whenever you simplify something, you're going to be losing complexity. And with something that is infinitely complex like the Trinity, anytime you try and do a metaphor, you're going to be missing out on significant pieces of it. So yeah, at that level, all yes, all metaphors are going to be does uh, Jesus live
0: in your heart, Magby?
1: No, no. I mean,
0: like, where is Jesus? Right? Is he still a body? Yes. Yes. I mean that that's that's the story is that Jesus was raised from the dead bodily and is now seated at the right hand of the Father, which but means what do he is mean? in time and right. space but, somewhere else.
1: But what do we mean when we say Jesus is in your we heart? Mean this,
0: that, we mean that the Spirit of God right. that came down at Pentecost yep. is is in your heart. But we use the language that you know Jesus is in your heart, but but <laughs> ex, but you know if we, if we get specific about it, he's not. He can't. He he's still a body, which mm-hmm. means he's still in time and space, which means he still has dinner yeah um and and exists somewhere else well but the spirit of god is in the, the heart of all believers
2: he might have dinner but maybe it was just that he had a couple of loaves of bread and a few fish and he's just been eating off that same <laughs> he's <the> same one, <laughs> over one, one, or or one or again for yeah. millennia
0: anyway but yes I'm, I'm looking forward to the heresy podcast
2: yeah it should be fun yeah me too and so. the personality one that sounds yeah. that sounds really cool well.
0: all right so santa may or may not have punched an arian or arius Yes, slapped or slapped or it was punched. probably an Aryan, not Aryan. I'm still himself. preferring
1: to go with the he punched Arius. Yeah, I reject. It's your, a fun story. It's a great yeah. story. I reject your reality. <laughs> and I reject in my own. <laughs> There's a, uh, a dramatic uh, <clears throat> reenactment of it in Kirk Cameron's movie, Saving Christmas. Oh, so, wolf. Any, Is there really? Yeah, it's, it's anyway, it shows Santa punching him, and then it's like this slow motion. I want to say it's dubstep in the background as, like, <laughs> Arius <laughs> goes blah, blah, flying blah, back. Blah, blah. Anyway, obviously, Again, not what actually have happened, but watched still...
0: watched Kirk Cameron's Saving Oh, Christmas? sorry, we have a bad
1: movie club here at Veritas <laughs> <Baracos> Academy, <laughs> wherein we watched the third lowest rated movie on IMDb, which I believe is Kirk, Kirk Cameron's, Cameron's Saving, Saving, Saving Is Christmas. it really? Yeah, oh, if it's not third, it's second Atlanta. or first. It's, anyway, wow. I, I think it's third lowest. Anyway, we watched that last year around Christmas time. Oof. So there you go. And Kirk Cameron, if you're listening... <laughs> we need to we do are, a podcast sorry. on Please why does...
0: Listening. Why has our modern church, which we love so dearly, made such bad cultural artifacts.
1: But think back, if we went back a few hundred years, like the beautiful art of the church were, were the churches and yes. they are
0: actually beautiful. Yes. But the but art that we make now is not. It's not. Yeah.
1: Anyway, that's a whole
2: other conversation. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. Uh, if you're hearing a buzzing in the background, I believe our floors are currently being waxed. Ah, so you so are hearing is. a a floor waxer it seems to be getting closer it's it's getting it's Christmas <laughs> miracle closer and closer <laughs> to our podcast so if you can hear that I'm sorry maybe just turn your stereo hey
0: we've had some crazy things down. in this podcast oh, we had, a dog we had to dogs get wasn't we there had, a jackhammer on one, there at Jack on one one. yeah we so had not. Tony Arsenault like ask us if we would lock up <laughs> do you remember we that
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the first episodes yeah. wasn't it yeah yeah you can't always make it
2: perfect apparently yeah. anyway other fun miracles from his life this one is probably my favorite so during that during a famine in Myra, a butcher lured three children into his house, killed them, <gasps> placed them in a barrel yep. to cure, you heard? and then was later going to sell them as ham. St. Nick showed up, figured out that they were kids and not ham, mm-hmm. made the sign of the cross, and resurrected the three children. Oh, what a guy. Isn't that awesome? Despite its probable lack of actual history, No, 100%. whoa. whoa. No, that definitely happened. It shows up in frescoes all over it's one of the it's one of the most popular depictions of Santa pre Santa, you know modern Santa Claus And so that is why because he's often depicted with a barrel at his feet and three naked kids and like the, standing on it. Is
0: this why he's the brewer?
2: That's why he's the patron saint of oh. brewers is because people just thoroughly misunderstood what was being depicted. They're like, ah, oh, he's got a barrel of beer and three dancing naked kids. And, that, and so they're like, he must be the patron saint of children and brewers because yeah. they didn't know the story.
0: story. Man, this Santa Claus is way better than Coca-Cola Santa Claus. 100%. Yep. I know. 100%, he, yep. And
2: he's, he's not like... Big and and hefty either. He was actually probably skinny or medium build. Like he was a slim guy, especially because he was lived during times of famine and probably walked a lot. And he, you, he like he
1: wasn't you, a hefty dude. Will you eventually get to talking about how this awesome dude um, became Coca Cola Santa? Yeah, I don't know if that's a part of this episode. Maybe a little. I'll do the best I okay. can. It's because I'm curious about that.
2: I anyway. Yeah. So in in another miracle. So there's just I, I got a whole list of them here. During that same great famine. A ship visited his port with grain bound for the emperor and he said, hey, you boys should offload some of that grain to help my city. And they're like, no, this is for the emperor. That would be stupid. And he goes, look, I will be responsible if you catch any guff for it, right? You're offloading to help people. These are starving people. We need your help. I promise you will not suffer any loss. And they say, all right. They offloaded like two years worth of grain, enough for us sowing fields and stuff. And when they got there, they found out that the weight that they had been carrying had not changed, Hmm. even though they had offloaded so much grain. Um, So that's sort of what I know of Santa's life. Uh, He was probably buried in a church built in the fourth century in Gamil, Turkey. His name is on it. And that island was known as St. Nicholas's Island. And then eventually, because there were... uh, invading Arab fleets in the mid-600s sixteen in the mid 600s. they probably moved his body to the city of Myra to keep the remains safe. Uh, legend has it that the relics exude a clear watery liquid that sort of smells like rose water and might be manna or myrrh and they would collect it and the guys you know want to know the weirdest thing? Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. still does this. Really? Every year even now they connect the weird clear liquid that comes out of the tomb of Saint Nick.
0: Weird. Yeah. Has anybody done like some kind of? They're they're not it?
2: sure whether it comes from the rock itself, but that's the thing: is the bones have been moved once, and so it's it's still doing it in its new place, even after having been moved. And you know, like you could you could, they're not sure whether it's coming from the body itself or from the marble surrounding the body, but that's pretty weird. Especially that you can still go to this church and buy little vials of the. That's fluid. weird. That's, that's dope. Weird. Yeah, it's weird. Let's go. Uh, in Ten... Like Coca Cola. <laughs> <laughs> in 1087, some sailors from Bari in Apulia seized part of the remains. The people in Bari Ooh, oh, see this whoa. as like getting the remains of St. Nick back and rescuing them from probable loss. Everyone else sees this kind of as like yes, blatant theft. <laughs> and they didn't take all the bones, they just took the big ones. So they left all the little tiny pieces. Um, so they they brought it back Pope Urban II built a new church to honor Saint Nick in Bari he placed the relics himself into the tomb beneath the altar at that church and as far as I know that's where they still are and that's where they still get this weird hmm. clear liquid stuff um, which is strange yes. so a lot of the minor bones were left uh, in the church in Turkey the city of Venice took some of the remaining bones deposited them in San Nicolo Al Lido they've they have tested these disparate bones and confirmed them to be from the same person. But little pieces have sort of escaped and gone all over, right? Mm -hmm. Just like with the bones of most saints, they become relics and they're like, you've got a molar of Saint Nick and you put it in your altar, right? So that that kind of happens. And um, they have examined at least one of these bones and found that like with radiocarbon dating that it comes from around the same time. And the ones they have DNA tested, it shows it's from the same character. So because his bones were consolidated for such a long time and then when they moved it was such a big deal the bones might actually be his bones mm-hmm. right whereas a lot of the relics from back then might have just been like joe farmer that they found and then knocked his bones to pieces and said hey this one's from saint peter you know mm-hmm. which is kind of a scary thing i think actually saint peter is mostly together in the church there really? in the basilica Do
1: you guys really? know about the? the yeah tomb they of found peter? him in the
0: 70s really I didn't, yeah. I didn't know that they were like excavating underneath saint peter's basilica in rome just because they knew that legend had it that that St. Peter was buried there, but they never found him. And they were doing some sort of excavation after the war and found an ancient Christian um, church dating back to, like, the first century. Wow! And they found a Well, didn't they build
2: the church traditionally on his burial site? Yeah, and
0: they found—and then when they excavated underneath this church, they found a place—they found a a, a tomb uh, that had been buried where somebody in some sort of— amount of of prominence and when they exhumed the tomb and looked at the bones it was uh somebody who had been crucified oh wow Uh, the bones had been someone who had been crucified um and traditionally saint peter had been crucified upside down Mm -hmm. and so yeah they have these bones of this man who was buried under saint peter's basilica who had been crucified so
2: and now his tomb saint peter's tomb is actually load-bearing in Mm. saint peter's basilica if Mm. you remove saint peter From St. Peter's Basilica, the whole thing—the church falls over. That's cool. So when Jesus said, you are the rock on which I will build my church," it is now literal. And can Jesus see the future? Well, probably. So (laughs) mind, like, was it a self-fulfilling prophecy? Did so anyway. That's kind of fun to think about. But anyway, and there was in the late 1950s, this fellow Luigi Marino examined all the bones and found out that whoever he was, he sounds like Luigi Mario. Doesn't that sound like? Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) thank you. He, whoever St. Nick was, he, he died at over 70, so lived to a ripe old age, slender to average build. Mm. He had arthritis in Doesn't his spine <laughs> and, <laughs> and pelvis. So that's, not, that's not right. And he had a broken nose. And that's... Interesting. That's where we go. Cool. So he, let's talk about current celebrations. So for a long time, he was venerated in the Eastern Orthodox Orthodox Church on almost every Thursday of the year.
0: Every Thursday?
2: Um, yeah. He had a reputation for putting coins in the in the shoes of, like, that were left out for him. So that kind of became a thing. You'd leave out your shoes on St. Nick's Day, and then nuns would, like, leave bags and food and They still do in Holland. You're supposed to leave
0: your wooden clompers outside your door on December 5th or 6th, whatever. December 6th. Yeah, December 5th is the night
2: of. of. Mm -hmm. And then one of the things they actually do in Holland right now, well, well, I'll talk about that in a second. So in medieval times, nuns would deposit baskets of food and clothes, in another tradition during the medieval like time, ex-sailors would, which was pretty much everyone, right, and, and almost everyone sailed. So mm. ex-sailors would come into town, celebrate a mass on December sixth, and then as they walked back, they would sort of buy a lot of little knickknacks for their kids, and then give them oh. to their kids on that day, given mm. given immediately. Um, so the Santa Claus, that word, comes from the Dutch tradition of. What'd you say it was? What's the name?
0: Sinterklaas that he Sinterklaas. Yeah, Sinterklaas. Yeah, came from Spain or something.
2: Yeah, well, that, that's kind of I think based on a confusion about where he actually came from <laughs> yeah. because he actually brought uh, in in some of his tradition he like brings oranges yeah. and because he brings oranges they think well those Man, come from Spain. from Spain he's probably from Spain so he <laughs> that's awesome in the Dutch tradition he kind of comes from Spain he wears a long and this still happens yep. and he brings, on December he brings brings, brings oranges to
0: this date like a boat comes into Amster, the harbor in Amsterdam and this guy dressed up like Santa Claus gets off it and he's like I just got here from Spain and he's got this little guy that comes with him <laughs> named Zwart Pete I'll, I'll talk
2: about Zwart Pete in a second but he Santa Claus has big white beard you know mm-hmm. kind of common to ours but he wears a white bishop's alb mm-hmm. and dons a red mitre and a ruby ring That's and he has up. a gold colored shepherd's staff so you know how our Santa has like red clothes this guy is actually still dressed as a he's bishop. He dressed as a bishop. Yep. Yeah. so he actually kind of harkens back to the real Saint Nick. He rides a white horse and he carries a big red book with the names of good and naughty kids. <laughs> Cuz remember, mm-hmm. kids from a barrel. <laughs> True. So Zwart Pete is a controversial figure at the moment, not so much in Holland but everywhere else. He is a
0: a character that is in blackface. Oh. And this is bad. He's a Moor and this so kind of Yeah, he's a Spanish Moor, but there was no people in Holland that were, you know, so when they dress up as them, they, they, they go blackface, they go blackface. But,
2: but in like a recent poll, like 92% of them did not think that this was racist. Yeah, Holland, oh, really?
0: everyone, everyone in Holland's like, it's Vort Pete. It's just what we do. And everyone, um, everyone, everyone else, else is, is like, that's, like, oh, that's horrible. Yeah. This yeah. is probably not so good. So
2: yeah. it dates back to the early 19th century. Um, the dress that Zwart-Piet wears is based on early 16th century noble attire. They got like a ruffled a ruffled collar and a feathered yeah, yeah. cap and he carries a bag full of candy for the kiddos or alternately, a bag in which he can stuff children and take them what? back to Spain. I'm sorry, what? So if you were a
0: bad little Dutch boy or girl, <laughs> Zwart-Piet takes you back to Spain. This is terrifying. <laughs>
2: and he carries a chimney sweeps broom for spanking naughty kids. So Zwart-Piet <laughs> is... Kind of a scary He's, character. He yeah. is. And this comes from next when justice. the Moors used to raid the coasts ah. and steal people and sell them into slavery. Wow. And so that's where it comes from is Moorish people coming and mm-hmm. actually raiding the coast, which is terrifying. And I guess you could tell little children like the Moors will be back for you if you are a bad child this year. And so that kind of got... And since in
0: their mind Santa's from Spain, it's like, yeah, and Zwart Pete comes along with them. And,
2: and <laughs> so also weird. traditionally, Zwart Pete's. Like, those little guys, they listen at the mm. at the top of chimneys huh. to, to hear and see what you're up to and then tell that to Santa Claus whether you've been good or bad.
1: This is crazy. And they Sorry. deliver
2: stuff to the children through the chimneys. And that's what... One of the, like, one of the reasons that is shopped around why their face is black is because they keep on going up and down chimneys. Oh. But that's not... That doesn't seem legit to me. So, um,
1: so how is it that we... That the story is that he came from Spain? That they just because of the orange? They knew he the came oranges. from
0: someplace warm. Oh, <laughs> Turkey, <laughs> that's Spain. So good. Yeah. that's
2: so, uh, good. so, before going to bed on December 6th, children put their shoes next to the fireplace or stove or whatever they have and leave a carrot or hay and a bowl of water, but it's not for Santa Claus. It's for the reindeer. Mm-hmm. It's for the horse that yeah, he rides. He, right. he doesn't have reindeer. I'm so reindeer. sorry. I'm so, yeah, sorry. Where do we get the reindeer and the flying sleigh and all that and the elves on the North Pole? I honestly don't know. Oh, okay. Coca-Cola.
0: Is it co? <laughs> it's something. I'm pretty like the the all that stuff is kind of this American mid, 30s 40s. Is it really that modern? War really like like. From what I understand, it is. I have
2: no idea. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know that... I, I, I don't know specifically where the transition happens like between...
0: A, I guess it's just like some sort of folk legend that, that came up.
2: Yeah, Chris Kringle is... Yeah. I know that's really
0: modern. Mm-hmm. It's not a thing. My favorite uh, depiction of Santa Claus is Father Christmas in Narnia. He has a sword. Yeah. And he... Uh... And he's, like, waiting for Aslan to come back, and he gives all the presents to the kids to help, like, defeat the White Witch. And, well, it's
2: because the yeah. for a long time, it was always winter, but never Christmas, yeah. right? He couldn't come, and couldn't then, then he and then, swings in. Yep. Uh, so the origins of sort of the Christmas feast um, it arose during the Middle Ages when the poor would put out their shoes for money and then they would have a big carnival that would invert daily roles. Mm, so mm-hmm. they would have like Boy Bishop Day where mm-hmm. one of the boys would be elected as bishop and he would get to be bishop until Saint day in the day. Innocence Day or whatever. And so everybody sort of inverted their roles and then they would all get peasants super got to be stinkin- nobles, yeah, and nobles had to serve the peasants. They would all get wicked smashed mm-hmm. and then be drunk in the in the the yards and then. The Protestants decided this wasn't <laughs> exactly the best idea right. and wanted to move the feast from venerating St. Nick to bummers. venerating Christ. Ah. So that mm. seems like an okay switch because yeah. they, they weren't down with the whole saint worship thing. Sure. And so, but they didn't so much succeed to hundred percent. So there you go.
1: And that's, guys, that's Santa Claus. That's the best we have it. From my singular search on the history of Santa Claus, apparently 1820s, in the 1820s is where kind of that modern, like the sleigh and the reindeer and all that stuff comes from. I suppose I could have done that research myself. You know, it took me all of 30 seconds, so I'm happy to have contributed. (laughs) Can I also say a classical thing that I kind of got wrong, or just to clarify, I referenced a verse earlier in my, half-hearted defensive areas because i'm not actually defending him the verse i was referencing was colossians 15. he is the image of the invisible god the firstborn of all creation and talking about christ anyway just to have said that
0: there you
2: go cool yeah i mean that that's all i have to say about santa so that's, if you guys had to invent one christmas tradition for your future kiddos or future family time
0: punch a heretic no i'm just yeah. kidding. oh that's, that's so good yeah. uh, no punch don't a heretic. Ah. They, listeners do not punch heretics love your heretics
1: hmm I'm wary to say anything on a recorded media because Sarah will hear it and then want to do that. Turn into a tradition. Yeah, exactly. So I. And we all know you're anti-tradition. Not anti-tradition. I'm a chronological snob. So.
2: I think it would be really, really fun to on say in January, Uh brew some stout beer, mm -hmm. bought like keg that beer up in a barrel Mm -hmm. And then on Christmas, with some ham in it, not ham. <laughs> so on Christmas, you have to, oh. you, you open the barrel and there are some little like pewter baby figurines
0: <laughs> that are in the barrel
2: and you have to drink that beer until you find, find a baby. Oh, it's like King baby king, in the, yeah. uh, in
0: the King cake. The cake. Yeah.
2: yeah. And then when you find the baby, something special happens. Oh, Maybe you like awesome. get your own pie. Oh my goodness. Like we are this. doing this. this Wouldn't that be plan. a fantastic a tradition? Plan. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So we need to so AJ, his brother in law's last name is uh Shootnik and he brews beer and it's called we call it shoe brew. We gotta get shoe brew and some baby some shoe's baby brew, whatever it's called.
2: <laughs> the ba- the baby brew? Yeah. That's good. I like that.
0: This is a great idea. Is, is pewter going to do anything to the flavor? Uh, I mean, we could swap it for iron.
2: something else that doesn't. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> pewter I feel like would give it a taste, but there's yeah. got to be some metals out there that don't. Mercury, for example.
0: <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> wait a minute. Mad baby brew. <laughs>
2: <laughs> because you will go mad. Yeah. Drinking yeah either it, yeah. either you find the babies or you go nuts.
0: Yeah. This sounds like a great tradition. I like it. Uh, I was trying to think of something similar, but I uh, it was just but it had to do with like eating ham and drinking beer.
1: No, that's this, a good this, idea. This is good.
2: Or you could, uh, you could have a tradition where everyone puts out their shoes that night and then whoever finds the carrot in their shoe the next day gets something <laughs> special. Yeah. I don't know. But I think that's where our putting, uh, cookies and milk out for Santa clubs mm-hmm. from, comes totally. from. I think us as Americans, were like, carrots? <laughs> <laughs> we cookies. have the Model T. Yeah. <laughs> I won't be using <laughs> we no We have the horse carriage. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome.
0: Um, Praise
2: Ford. Cool.
0: Yeah. I, so we, uh, we kind of do commonplace book, but since we haven't in a long time, I found the Athanasian Creed. Uh, ooh, read yeah, read it. it. I'll give you a flavor. So remember, he is like the one Christian left in the world, uh, writing this creed when the whole world has become heretics. Um, Whosoever will be saved, before all things, it is necessary that he hold the Catholic faith. Which faith, except everyone do keep whole and undefiled, without doubt, he shall perish everlastingly. And the Catholic faith is this, that we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither confounding the persons nor dividing the substance. For there is one person of the Father, another of the Son, and another of the Holy Spirit. But the Godhead of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit is all one, the glory equal, the majesty co-eternal. Such as the Father is, such is the Son, and such is the Holy Spirit." The Father uncreated, the Son uncreated, and the Holy Spirit uncreated. The Father incomprehensible, the Son incomprehensible, and the Holy Spirit incomprehensible. The Father eternal, the Son eternal, and the Holy Spirit eternal. And yet they are not three eternals, but one eternal. Etc, etc, etc You can get the, you get the sense This thing goes on for I A think I read time. the first 12 lines And there's 44 lines
2: I mean, he's really doubling down he On the is, whole
0: he is No Aryanism yes, thing he is no, <laughs> no mistake about it
2: Yeah, I, it'd be Tough to miss that line in the sand You know That's what I mean? Right.
0: Cool. Well, thank you, Hannenberg. Well, this has been Classical Stuff You Should Know, Christmas edition. We hope that you are uh, next to loved ones uh, in a warm, cozy place, uh, drinking scotch or eggnog, um, that the tree is resplendent in front of you, that snow is, uh, you know, uh, falling softly outside, um, that there's Christmas music on the radio, that there is a turkey or ham crackling in your (laughs) oven not ham no maybe not
1: ham (laughs) ham is
2: is way superior ham is wonderful I mean how can you think of anything but children if you eat ham now oh no yeah it doesn't matter
0: um (laughs) uh, Merry Christmas from AJ Thomas and Graham at Classical Stuff we wish you a wonderful end to 2018 Mm -hmm. and all the best for 2019 the year of the Lord 2019 um best luck finding the baby In the beer. (laughs) Yep. That's right. All right. Merry Christmas. Merry Merry Christmas. Signing off.
2: Signing off.